Hey, stay tuned listeners. I hope you and your loved ones are staying healthy and safe during these extraordinarily difficult times. As many of you know, Anne Milgram and I co-host the Cafe Insider podcast, where every Tuesday we break down politically charged legal issues making the headlines. The podcast is part of the Cafe Insider membership, and I'm so glad that insiders are staying engaged, writing in with questions and comments. Thank you as always for helping support our work. As we make sense of the ongoing coronavirus crisis, we're taking down the paywall on the podcast so that everyone can listen and participate. For part of this special episode, Anne and I are lucky to be joined by our friend, Neil Borofsky. During the last financial crisis, Neil served as the Special Inspector General for the TARP stimulus bill, making him the chief watchdog in charge of policing the implementation of the 2008 bank bailout. Neil joins us to break down the oversight mechanisms in the coronavirus stimulus package, the challenges associated with policing massive government bailouts, and the lessons he learned from being on the front lines the last time Congress passed a major stimulus. What follows is a sample of our conversation. If you want to hear our full discussion for free, go to cafe.com slash preet and sign up to receive an email with a link to the episode. That's cafe.com slash preet. And if you already receive emails from Cafe, then check your inbox. It should be there or arrive shortly. One of the issues is whether or not an inspector general can be fired for any reason. And this inspector general can only be fired for cause. And the president wrote, or at least signed a letter that was kind of short, that basically said that this inspector general no longer had his fullest confidence, which doesn't usually meet the standard for cause. What do you make of it? Generally speaking, I know when I served as special inspector general, I served at the pleasure of the president. And so I could be fired without cause just because the president, I caused him too much displeasure. And that's generally how it works in the inspector general community. And so putting aside for one moment, it's wrong. Like it's just wrong to fire an inspector general for doing their job and making transparent, unpleasant truths and doing the things that they are charged and required when they take their oath of office to do. It is just wrong. But it is also what every inspector general wakes up with every single day. And I, when I sat in that job, I knew, or at least I had been told, that the Treasury Secretary had gone to the White House and asked for them to fire me. And I knew that absent certain political consequences, I would have been fired because I caused a lot of displeasure in bringing transparency and the truth. And so one of the challenges of being an inspector general is, you know, you have that fear. I mean, I was a government employee. I had a new wife. I had a new baby at home. I didn't have a lot of savings, to put it mildly. So that really is a really big fear, and it is a normal fear. And what the president did on Friday night was to send a message to every inspector general that's going to be involved in this CARES Act, you know, this can happen to you too, just for doing your job. And so what these IGs have to do is, is try to do what I did, which is the analogy, I, every morning I would take that fear and I'd put it up on a shelf in the bookshelf of my office. And I'd say, I'm not looking at it. I'm not thinking about it because I can't let it define how I conduct myself during the day. And then every night before I'd go home, I'd pick that fear up and, and bring it back and not sleep that night or spend three hours talking to my wife about what's going to happen if I get fired tonight and how are we going to survive and what are we going to do? But that's the reality of the job. And the only way to counter it, the reason why I wasn't fired was because, again, going back to something we talked about earlier, there was a good fear that the, particularly that the Democrats in Congress would go up in arms if President Obama fired me because I had support from both sides, Democrats and Republicans. 
and the Democrats were willing to stand up to the president. People like Barney Frank, who yelled at me like I've never been yelled at in my life in private, but he always had my back when it came to the Treasury Department or the White House. And so that's sort of the thing here is that Atkinson was fired and you heard barely a peep from the Republicans in the Senate and in the House defending him. I mean, it's still something that's that's a story that is still unfolding. And so that's that's what scares me. I think Susan Collins expressed concern. Exactly. Expressed she did. Concern. She did. <laughs> she, 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 she furrowed her brow, I believe. I think she's also probably shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. So I think that's part of the problem here is that there's no political check within the president's own party. That's where it gets scary. Right? You know, and we've I, seen that consistently. And it's so interesting to me because I think, to your point, the few times that the Republicans in Congress have pushed back, I mean, one example is the detaining of migrant children, which of course has continued in some ways, but has was greatly pulled back from where it was. Once the Republicans in Congress and nationally started to push back, the president changed his policy. And so I think it's an incredible thing because we've seen that it can be effective for Republican members of Congress to step up and push back on the president. And even the president's efforts to really curtail the impeachment trial, McConnell said, no, this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to write the rules of this. You are not. The president has bowed. And so it's such an important point that every single moment that the Republicans in Congress allow the president to get away with efforts to obstruct justice, essentially, and to bury the truth, right? I mean, you can you can like or not like what the whistleblower had to say. You can agree or not agree. But the role of the inspector general to bring that forward was very clearly set forth in law. He made the determinations he had to make. And again, what happened after that, you know, people can dispute whether they think the outcome was right or not. But as to Atkinson's role, it feels to me that, like he discharged his duties exactly as he's supposed to. And so for Republican members of Congress not to stand up for that, it just, it really does, it bodes really terribly for our democracy. Especially in the larger context that I wanted to mention, and I think this comes into play with respect to the nominee, to this, this new special inspector general position. The president of the United States seems not to like inspectors general. I mean, he does not like oversight. Remember the first thing he, he said when the CARES Act was being developed was, you know, I'll do the oversight, which <laughs> caused people to both freak out and also laugh. Just yesterday, I violated my own recent principle of not watching in real time the live briefings from the White House, and I wish I, I hadn't. But one thing that I saw was Donald Trump speaking very contemptuously of the Inspector General of HHS. It was a different context, a different thing. But anyone who is independent-minded at any agency, whether it's going to be with respect to CARES or anything else, you see the president not wanting any kind of independent criticism of anything the administration does. And that, I think, puts, I wonder what you think, Neil, that puts the whole inspector general community probably in an unsettling kind of position. They all, they all see it. They all see what happens when an inspector general doesn't say something that the president wants or when he attacks them because of the fact that they might have served under the Obama administration too, even though they're independent and have some protections, some of them, not all of them. What do you think of the, of the mood among inspectors general at this moment? I'll share you with you an anecdote. President Obama fired an inspector general, I believe his name is Jerry Walpin, when I was still serving. And there was this meeting, this council of inspector generals that all met together. And this was the hot topic of conversation, because I think it was the first inspector general he had fired. And the circumstances were not clear, to put it mildly. And it looked like Walpin had looked in some places that made the president uncomfortable, or people in his administration, and it looked like a politically motivated firing. It may not have been. But what was interesting was the reaction. And I remember I stood up at that meeting and said, we need to have a, 
uh, a unified front. We need to say that this is not acceptable. We should demand an investigation into what the terms were. You know, we shouldn't let this roll up because some of the, the explanations seem to be not all that credible. And the overwhelming sense, and there's some people who agreed with me very strongly, but most didn't. And I remember one person stood up and I, I would tell you his name if I could remember what it was and said, you know what? I ain't losing my job for Jerry. What Jerry did was Jerry's problem. And I ain't worrying about Jerry. I got to worry about me. And that's how they're going to react. Preet. There's wow. going to be some who say, it ain't my problem. I got to worry about my job, putting food on my kid's table. I'm going to keep my head down and try to rub it, write this out. And there's going to be others who will step up. And unfortunately, those are going to be the ones that you're talking about on your next podcast. Our conversation continues. The weekly Cafe Insider podcast is usually just for members of the Cafe Insider community. But this week, you can head to cafe.com slash preet and sign up to receive a link to listen to the full episode for free. And if you'd like to become a member and get a two-week free trial, you can do so at cafe.com slash insider. If you already receive emails from Cafe, you should have one soon in your inbox. To all of our insiders, thank you again for supporting our work. <laughs>